On the first day, the boon god created the sky and the light um, and the stars and all the things in the sky. And on the second day, the boon god created the water and all the wet things that go in the water. No, no, not all the wet things that go in the water. He created wetness. And on the third day, the Lord, the Boon God, created the um, uh, the things that go in the water, um, water, water-dwelling mammals and water-dwelling fish. And on the fourth day, the Boon God created the things that go on the land. Ah, the, no, no, the Lord, the Boon God hadn't created the land yet. Uh, so he, he created the things that go on the land and they had nowhere to go. So they waited in the um, in the water for a bit. And then on the fifth day, the Boon God created the um, things that go... He created the land. And, uh, and then the things... Um, that were waiting in the water, they crawled out of the water and they went on the land because they were happier there. Because that's what the boon god created them for. And on what day are we on now? And on the sixth day, the boon god created a um, created humans because uh, he didn't include them in the things that um, go on uh, the land to begin with. Uh, he, they were an afterthought. Um, thought we could do with um some things that stand upright. So he created humans, and on the seventh day, the Boon God created the podcast. Here we go. was a long-winded introduction but we're on episode 14 now of the boondoggle podcast so if you've come with me this far i think you can bear to put up with a bit of that kind of nonsense i can take you anywhere i can take you on a journey wherever you want unless you've just jumped in at 14 in which case you've probably tuned out by now but we don't want you we don't want you fickle fickle folk we want the committed Loyal people that will stay with us till the end. The end of the episode, as well as the end of time. Um, so, yeah, episode 14 of the Boondoggle podcast, a podcast where me, the Boondog, Alex Boone, uh, he tells you, I tell you, stories that are from a book that I found in a bush. All right? It was a long time ago that I found the book in a bush. But, um, yes, that is me, I am Alex Boone. And the stories are, by now you've gathered, some are a bit silly. Some are serious and have incredibly deep and prevalent moral messages that, that, you know, 
people have said that Shakespeare is like the Bible for atheists. And I'd say that the boondoggle is like the uh, Quran for atheists. I don't know what I mean by that. So let's move on before I say anything that could get me cancelled. All right. And uh, this week we are concluding the saga of Toby McNaughty. And uh, find out, we'll find out what the hell he's got up to. So as I speak, the... Uh, this, this new tier system is back in. We're out of that lockdown. Well, we're not out of it. We're out of it on... So I'm recording this on the 28th of November. And we're coming out of the lockdown on uh, November, December the 2nd. But I'm in Manchester. And Manchester has once again been labelled the bad boys of the country. Alright? Despite... Our continued efforts and clear, uh, clear success in you know being good boys, we're still labelled as bad boys and put in tier three. So, you London folk, your favourites, you know your little little teachers' pets down there, your London folk, us up in Manchester with the bad boys. We're on Red Report, all right. You don't cross us. Despite the fact that we are getting good grades, we've got a reputation now. And it means that we can't go to the pub. But that's all I've got to say on that matter. And we will move on. Because this podcast is a podcast uh, that is timeless. And we don't want to be it t- we don't want it to be tied down by matters of um, matters of current affairs. What I will tell you is something I read today about a place called Reckon. So Reckon is a hill in Shropshire, in near Telford, and it's got a very interesting origin story. So here is the origin of the story of Reckon. A giant called Gwendal Reckin Ap Shinkin Ap Mrindarwar, with a grudge against the town of Shrewsbury, decided to flood the town and kill all its inhabitants. So he collected a giant-sized spade full of earth and set off towards the town. When in the vicinity of Wellington, he met a cobbler returning from Shrewsbury Market with a sack full of shoes for repair. The giant asked him for directions adding that he was going to dump his spadeful of earth in the River Severn and flood the town. Oh, it's a very long way to Shrewsbury, replied the quick-thinking shoemaker. Look at all these shoes they've worn down walking from back there. The giant immediately decided to abandon his enterprise and dump the, dump the earth on the ground beside him, where it became the wrecking. The giant also scraped the mud off his boots, which became the smaller hill, Urkall Hill, nearby. Ironically, Shrewsbury is subjected to flooding from the River Severn on frequent occasions, naturally. Now isn't that a funny little origin story for a hill? 
But here's my problem. If this giant was so big that a a spadeful of his um, dumpings, a spadeful of a giant-sized spadeful, could create a massive hill, surely he could have seen Shrewsbury by then. And surely, despite the amount of shoes that this cobbler is sending, is needing to repair, that would be no match for a giant steps. He would have been able to see how far Shrewsbury was. That's what. That's all I'm saying. But it's an interesting. Uh, it, if this giant Gwendol Rickin up shanking up Mindoro Mindoro if his grudge was so it doesn't even say what his grudge it just we don't know his real motive you know it just says oh he's got a grudge against Shrewsbury why why has he got that grudge that's what we want to know and clearly his grudge isn't that committed if he can just give up by a cobbler being like oh it's a bloody long way isn't it and he's like oh god can't be bothered then I'll just give up that's what I want to know but nevertheless it's an interesting origin story and I quite like the fact that um, in this description on the wiki wikipedia it says ironically Shrewsbury is subjected to flooding from the river seven on frequent occasions naturally so Reckon the giant got what he wanted, but he wasn't the guy to do it because he's a lazy bastard. And I know the ACDC guys, and they're loud. Have you seen them live? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. I know the ACDC. Okay, I think we'll crack on with the first story of the week. And it is a story in which we check back in with our lovely, 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 lovely friend, Miss Debbie Snuggles. These are the tales of Debbie Snuggles. And this story is called Debbie's got a problem. Your money's going faster than it's coming in, Debbie. It's what we call, in my line of work, unideal. Debbie sat opposite her accountant, William Crumpet, with a face that should melt in this California heat. You must be mistaken, Crumpet. I'm a hot ticket with a dynamite voice. That simply can't be. Thing is, Debbie, apart from the ASMR stuff, you haven't worked in months. Not since you fired Jack Dingle. Debbie Debbie scratched her head. She rubbed her face. You old fuddy-duddy wouldn't have a clue about the money there is in ASMR. I've got to go. She stormed off to the bathroom. Minutes later, she returned with composure. I can see here the money in ASMR. Is nowhere near as much as you're spending, Debbie. Look, this is Hollywood. I know what people get up to around here. A lot of expensive habits. Thing is, 
You gotta be able to pay for them. I don't know what you're insinuating. You're my client. It's strictly confidential between us. You should see the things some of your neighbors are buying. De Niro imparted himself some British badge of fetuses to play football with last week. But he's got the money to pay for this stuff. You don't. Mr. Crumpet, I don't appreciate this one bit. Debbie, there's a Ferrero Rocher wrapper hanging out your pocket. She looked down to see the brown and gold foil hanging out. She grabbed it and screwed it up. So, that's nothing. Debbie, the whole of Beverly Hills are filling their guts with the stuff. You're not the first. De Niro's on them too, but he can pay for it. You can't tell anyone, Crumpet. My career will be over. You don't have a career, Debbie. That's your problem. I've got to go. Either sort your habit out or sort your finances out. As soon as Crumpet was out the door, she ran upstairs and pulled a box from under her bed. She ripped the plastic off a fresh box of Ferrero Rochers and gobbled down a box in ten minutes. Then she stared out the window and wondered what to do with herself. She moped around for an hour and picked up the phone. Jack. Oh, Debbie, honey bun, my sweetheart, what gives me the pleasure of your call? My place, meaning now. Oh, baby, I'll be there in a fine jiffy bag. Within a minute, the doorbell rang. It was Jack. The gate opened, and she greeted him at the front door of her Beverly Hills mansion. Very quick. Desperate, perhaps. Come in. He brought himself in and took a seat at her kitchen island. Oh, Debbie, I've been living out of my vehicle since you went away. You see, Dingle ain't got nothing without Debbie's snuggles. So I thought, may as well pipe myself right outside your pearly gates and some shooting star might come my way and my dreams will come true my again. Just as I expected. Desperate. Desperate for Debbie to have a career again. Shut it, Jack. You're in luck. I think I'm ready for Hollywood. Hollywood? Oh, Debbie, that is the fine music of Jesus Almighty Christ the Lord above. Hollywood is where dreams come true, and me and you, Deppin, we're gonna take it by the testicles and squeeze the juice right out of it. One film, Jack. One film. Oh, Deppin, whatever you say, just know this, I have got the movie for you. You're gonna be a star. Six months later, production had finished on Debbie's first movie. What's her problem? The story of a doctor who falls in love with a nervous hypochondriac. Does she love him too, or does she just think she's ill again? Debbie has been paid, though not quite as much as her male co-star, but she can now afford her growing Ferrero Rocher habit. At the premiere, she heads down the red carpet, throwing a cheeky glance at cameras here and there, and sending her softly spoken voice into every microphone available. The people love her, reluctantly, A genuine grin creeps across her face, similar 
to when she helped out the Hollywood cops all that time ago. She makes her way into the cinema, away from all the hubbub. Who does she find standing there? Detective? Bam! I'm so glad you could make it, Detective. Bam! Well, Debbie, I didn't think it were your cup of joe. But I trust your judgment. You make good police, Debbie. So I guess you're a woman who makes superb decisions for every inch of your life. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dad. Well, thank you, Detective. I hope you enjoy the movie. She continues on down the aisle and takes her seat next to Jack Dingle, ready for the movie to begin. 98 minutes later, the lights come up, and applause erupts around the cinema. Debbie turns around. They're on their feet. Everyone. But Detective Bam. He sits there, arms folded, shaking his head. That feeling of elation that was rushing through her seconds before was now turning into tears, welling into her eyeballs. While the audience were preoccupied with their standing ovation, Bam! Tries to sneak out. Debbie rushes out of her seat and chases after him. He makes it out into the lobby before he hears Debbie's voice. Bam! She had been saying it for ages. It was only until she was right in his ear that he heard it. Detective, what's the matter? You've let me down, Miss Snuggles. I thought you were a woman of integrity. But that was an atrocity. Even by Hollywood standards, you're not saving bad guys. You're just a weak woman who thinks she's got hemorrhoids or Lyme's disease or tuberculosis or cholera. Detective, my heart's in the helping people. Detective, my heart's in helping people. It is. I've just got a habit that I can't afford. Not you on the Ferreros, too. She says nothing, but her face says everything. It's a problem that's been sweeping this town, don't I know it? And I never expected you to be caught up in all that hoo-ha. But I'd rather see you robbing geriatrics at knife point than engaging in this pile of baloney. She falls to her knees and sobs. Detective, forgive me. I won't make another movie again. It's gonna take a lot more than that for me to respect you again, Miss Snuggles. He turns around and walks away. See you around, Debbie. But Debbie doesn't look up. All she hears is the door swing shut. Wow. That... That is intense. It's an intense story of love and how sometimes reaching for your dreams, well, actually, no, they're not her dreams. Sometimes you've just got to kick your bloody habit. We've all got things in our life that we can improve on, I'm sure. And Debbie has, uh, you could say she's gone down the wrong road. 
Going down the wrong road. The road to Hollywood. The red carpet road. She used to have integrity. She used to have morals. And she says that Hollywood is a bad institution. Because she thinks, what's Hollywood contributing? That's her attitude. You know? At least with her ASMR, she's, uh, she's soothing people. And with the police, you know, she was solving crimes. But with Hollywood, she's just got herself into a cheesy rom-com. And her love, Detective Bam. He's her, he's her, she's her anchor. No, he's her anchor. He's like the, the moral compass in her eyes, you could say. He's got integrity. He is good police. So it's a, quite a, you know, Jack's got what he wanted. He's got her in the movies. But we'll have to find out at a later date if she continues down this road to Hollywood or if she takes a step back and may engage in some more charitable endeavours. My bin stinks and I'm sat right next to it. It's really getting into the nostrils. Okay. So I don't know if this is going to be a regular feature, but over the old lockdown, I've been, uh, you know, you get bored, you download a dating app, you start swiping. And I know there's the uh, the very much popular Beam Me Up Soft Boy um, contingent on uh, the Instagram. Uh and I found, you know, I just thought I'd uh, screenshot a few that, you know, made me chuckle. And I think it's not what you... So the whole thing about Beat Me Up Soft Boy, if you don't know, it's a very popular uh, Instagram account where people send in uh, messages or Instagram or... no. Dating app bios from boys that are deemed soft boys. And I think how you describe a soft boy is a boy that is um, doing their utmost best to appear sensitive and cultured and um, soft. But it there's something about it that screams ingenuineness about it, a desperateness. Trying too hard. But I don't think the opposite of that, if you were looking at in like in women's dating apps, you wouldn't wouldn't be soft soft girl. That's not what I think the opposite is women who are just like so the Hard girls, basically. So what I found is people that are obscenely direct. That's I think that's what I've discovered about these these things that really make me laugh. They're not the thing about soft boys is they're doing their utmost to please. The thing about these people that I found 
is they're doing their utmost not to please. They're just, they're sending it out there and saying, hey, this is me, deal with it. And it makes me laugh. So have a listen to this one. One question, who are you? I don't want to hear what you do for a living, the random labels you have placed upon yourself for conformity and acceptance. Don't hide behind the labels and boxes society places upon us. You don't even need to tell me who you are to reveal it. Who you are is hidden behind themes and attitudes and ideals you hold, because you may not understand it, because you may not understand who you are to verbalise it. However, it undermines every choice and real thing you say and do. Be real. Be you. Drop the fake shit. And that one may describe as hard girl. You know? Well, that's kind of... She's, you know... Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you question your identity. It sounds a lot like an audiobook that I was listening to recently called The Untethered Soul, which is very much like that. Who is the self? Who are you? But how do you have a conversation with this person? They're questioning everything about you. What is? What do they want to know? How do you describe every question you ask when you get to know someone? Is oh, what do you like? What do you enjoy? Where have you been? All that stuff is nonsense in her eyes. How do you have a conversation with someone when nothing matters? Just makes you think, doesn't it? So maybe a good idea to think about all those questions next time you write. A bio, if you're trying to woo a member. Not necessarily of the opposite sex. A member of, you know. If you're trying to woo someone, have a think. Who the hell are you? Here's another one. Are there any manly men? Are there any manly men left? Or are they all over 50? A man should be a man. Traditional. I work, have a car, own place, no dick pics, no feminine men, please. Wear a mask, don't bother getting in touch. I'm not going to message first, so don't expect it. Now that is from uh, a 32-year-old woman who, uh, you know... She uh, admires the over 50s, apparently. Because that's when real men existed. She's just, you know, stating what she wants. And I hope to God that she finds it. Because there's a lot of people all out there. And surely there's somebody who uh, is a manly man who doesn't wear a mask... There's got to be somebody for her. And good luck to her. And her in- <laughs> her interests are music, spirituality, car boot sales, travel and tattoos. Her interests are car boot sales. Now that's interesting, isn't it? And I hope she finds a manly man without a mask who enjoys car boot sales. 
There's got to be somebody for everyone out there. I'll finish on this one. If we match, speak. I will not swipe right if you. And then she put a colon and then she put big crosses, big red crosses by each of the things that she won't do. So big cross. I will not swipe right if you have multiple pictures of multiple people. I want to know who I'm talking to. Big cross. Are using any kind of drug in any of your pictures, including balloons? Big cross. Have scraggy wisps of hair pretending you have a beard. If you can't grow one, shave it. I cook and like to go abroad. Give me a glass of wine and I'm yours. I'm fine, thanks for asking. No, I'm not up to much, just chilling. Ask me something original. And then uh, she's put big ticks by Disney, Lego and Harry Potter. The interests of a ten-year-old. So, there's another woman who knows what she wants, you know? She knows what she wants. And I wonder if there are any men out there that read that and think, Hey, I'm not those things. And I am a fan of Disney, Lego and Harry Potter. And then they'll connect. But to me, it sounds like uh, she's got a lot of hate for the world out there. She's got a lot of disdain. And maybe, perhaps, she needs to look inwards and can figure out who she really is and what she really wants, rather than telling people what she doesn't want. Positivity. And that is the end of that feature, which hasn't got a name yet, but it's not called... Um, but it's... Yeah, there's a certain thread running through it that really tickles me. And now, let us move on to the to the end of the saga of Toby McNaughty. And this story is called Toby's Revelation. So if you'll remember last week, Toby was he's in Lovely Life, head office. And he's just found out that his one true love, Jennifer, is a robot. So we rejoin Samantha, the Lovely Life CEO, and Toby in Lovely Life, head office. <laughs> When a man loves a woman he's seen on TV It's a love that keeps him wedged in his own city Now Toby McNaughty will track her down On a quest to find if true love knows no bounds. And this song is called Toby's Revelation. Toby fell to his knees and sobbed. Jennifer, 
How could they treat you this way? They're telling me you're a robot. A machine. Programmed to love me. He leant his head on Jennifer's limp thigh. It was soft, like human skin, but cold. How did she talk? I can't remember how Samantha talks now. They're not programmed. They're not programmed to love you. They're programmed to make you think they're in... They're programmed to make you think they're in love with you. So you'd love them back. There's no time for bleeding technicalities now, woman. Me and Jennifer had a connection like no other. No, Toby. Your connection was in fact like every other. Like every other subscriber of Lovely Life. It's a connection built on science. Science can't explain love. Love is magic. Love is beauty. Love is life. Love is chemistry, you pathetic little man. Love is connection. How do you think we found the perfect companion for you? That quiz? No. That were ten questions. You can't find a love like ours from ten questions. Silly, silly, silly fool. That quiz was a sham. Your internet history tells us everything. Your likes, your dislikes, annoyances, infatuations, all those dating apps you used. We've got every single swipe and every message you've ever sent. We know what you like, Toby. Oh, God, no. Oh, yes, Toby. But Jennifer doesn't like Escape to the Chateau. But I do. How the hell are we so bloody in love then? You are so stupid sometimes. I don't know how Jennifer ever saw anything in you. Oh yes, I do. She saw it because we programmed her to. Love isn't just liking the same things. You don't love everyone at a football game just because you support the same team. You love someone because of how you relate to one another. Using science, complex science that I couldn't even start to explain to a fool like you. We have compiled your data and formed your ideal companion. Each of these rooms contains someone's ideal companion. You know that. You monster! But lovely life is so cheap. It can't be cost-effective making love robots. Clearly not cheap enough for your poor little bottom. But yes, you finally said something smart. We have ways of minimising the costs. Offsetting... You could say. He snapped his head off Jennifer's thigh and looked Samantha dead in the eyes. Bloody tell me or I'll call the cops. We all know you don't have a phone because you have absolutely no money. But I'll tell you anyway because I absolutely love talking about it. You know, you know all that stuff you've bought? A rucksack full of tut. He peels his rucksack off his back and shows her. Yes, that sack of crap. You didn't want it, did you? Well. Jennifer made you buy it because companies paid us to make her. No, she recommends me products. Have you ever said no to anything she's recommended? Well, no, I, I trust her judgement. She doesn't have judgement, Toby. Companies pay us to sell you them because of course you'll buy them. Because you're in love. 
You'd buy a bucket of shit off Jennifer if she suggested it. How dare you! He rose to his feet with force in his legs he hadn't felt in months. They needed no encouragement at all. It's science, Toby. You can't deny science. You bloody London folk with your degrees and your expensive offices. You think everything can be brought down to science. You've forgotten how to feel. Love isn't just numbers and chemicals. It's, it's, it's that time you first met. I were in the park. The first time I met Jennifer. Sat on a bench as the autumn leaves fell around me. I downloaded your app. I put in my details and she just spoke to me. You've got something on your face, Toby, she said. Oh, when it's your nose, she joked. I laughed and the whole world felt brilliant. Then I turned on my telly and there she was. The beauty that she is inside and out. You can't put that down to science. His eyes lingered on Jennifer longer than he meant to. She didn't blink and neither did he. Samantha's arms remained crossed as she took in Toby's words and considered a response. Eventually, she spoke. We can, Toby. That's exactly what we've done. Toby closed his eyes and took a deep breath. I just want Miss Jennifer back. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. We're thinking of trialling a new service. And I had the novel idea that you could be our first tester. I won't cooperate with you anymore. Your company has ruined me. How would you like to have Jennifer live with you? For free. What's the catch? No catch. Jennifer will simply be reporting to us how the new service is going. Toby hesitated at this, but he had no choice. Life without Jennifer was not worth living. Okay then, Samantha. You have yourself a deal. Perfect. Perfect. We'll sort out the paperwork and get you and Jennifer in a taxi back to whatever dump you come from. Come now. We'll let the staff reboot her so we can get going. She ushered him out the door and into the corridor. Before I go, could I visit Winston, please? Winston? He's a friend's old uh, companion. He stopped his subscription a while ago. Oh, these androids go to scrap after a week. You're lucky you got here in time. That Winston will be long gone. Ah, well, I did my best, said Toby as he stepped into the lift back to reception. A month later, Toby and Jennifer returned home from work. Toby had a proper job now, delivering shopping for Tesco. It was perfect because Jennifer would never have to leave his side she could sit in the passenger seat and help unload the shopping at each address. These androids had a surprising strength for their size. At first, Toby was apprehensive, suspicious of Jennifer's motives. But he soon forgot, and they were just as before. They laughed and joked all day, 
and the people they delivered to looked at them in admiration, wishing they could have a love like that. Toby slumped himself on the sofa and put his legs up. Jennifer leant her head in his lap and spoke. I do love you, Toby. And I love you. What about politics, Toby? Ever thought of trying your hand at a lovely bit of government? Westminster? Parliament? Don't think that's my cup of tea, love. Toby, you could do anything. You know what? I think I'd love you even more if you were in politics. You would? Well, I... I guess I could have a go. Jennifer smiled and relaxed as the new information was processed back to lovely life. A notification pinged into Samantha's phone. Their new trial period was certainly reaping its rewards. She placed her phone back into her pocket and strode into her office with the power of five horses. Bloody hell! I know people say it's a little bit Black Mirror-esque a lot these days, but it's a little bit Black Mirror-esque, isn't it? What a cliffhanger, but it's... You know, does it leave uh, it open to a sequel? Perhaps, if we find another book in a bush that has the sequel in it. But I can't confirm anything like that. It's not, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a barrel of laughs as the end, but that's, they're not always funny. They just, sometimes they just make you think. And if there's one thing you can say about that story, it makes you think. How about that? How ab- there were some real moments I could I could see it on the big screen. And we know our friend Debbie Snuggles wouldn't be happy with that. Because she hates Hollywood. And so does her friend Detective Bam. But you know, if any movie people are listening, you know, head of Lionsgate, um, MGM, I know you're not doing too well at the moment. But this could be the film that puts MGM back on the map. Um, working title. Uh, and I'm just naming film production companies. Uh, either one of them. And some smaller indie ones. You know, A24, you do good movies. You could make... The Stargate of Toby McNaughty into the next. It could be something like, um, sorry to bother you, actually. That was, it's like a, you know, kind of dystopian comedy. I like it. All right. So if you are, um, yeah, a movie person, listen to the end and I'll give my contact details. This is going to be the last podcast for a month or so. Then I'm going to do a Christmas special. And then we'll be back with a few more episodes to finish season two. Because as I said, it's just like Breaking Bad. It's the same season, but we're just having a break in the middle. Because we need to find a new book. 
All right. And you just keep looking in bushes to find a new boondoggle book. Um, but before you go, so as we come out of the old Lucky Downey, hey, here's a question. So football, I know that uh, now we go back into the tier system, football is allowed to have uh, 2,000 fans in stadiums. But does that include stadiums that aren't in a tier 2 area? For example, can Manchester City, Manchester United, are they allowed 2,000 fans in their stadiums? Who knows? Well, somebody knows. The football people. But I thought I'd leave you with a couple of suggestions for um, football songs that... um, I haven't put much effort into these, but they're football songs that could be sang on the terraces. Um, I've I've got two suggestions so far. Um, But if people from these teams could, uh, you know, people who support the teams that these players play for could, you know, put a bit of effort in, try and get these um, on the terraces. I'd be hugely grateful. And uh, if you credit me, if you do. And so the first one is um, is about uh, the player Dominic Solanke. I don't know which team he plays for, but you could sing uh, a song in tribute to him to the tune of the police's uh, So Lonely. And we've got this. Solanke, 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 Solanke. Uh, I don't know how... I don't even know how... Solanke, 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 Solanke. And then just go on and on. It probably could do with some more lyrics. Solanke, he scores goals. Solanke. So, yeah, that, you know, it might not take off that one. needs a bit more to it. But the next one is about Man United goalkeeper David De Gea. And it's to the tune of Hey Ya by Outcast. And it goes like this. Hey Ya, David De Gea. Hey Ya, David De Gea. You think you've scored. Oh, you think you've scored. But no one's ever scored past David De Gea. You think you've scored, but no one scores but David. And what makes, and what makes, and what makes Manchester lose? Why, oh, why, 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 have Manchester not won the league? So in the middle of that song, the the chant, the fans struggle, start to realise that the claims they made uh, at the start of the song about no one scoring past David De Gea must actually be false because they haven't won everything they've ever entered since David De Gea has been in goal. So it's quite an interesting chat on that one, and we'll see if the fans at Old Trafford can get behind it. All right. So, for the last time, for a month or so, I will sign off. Check out the website, theboondoggle.co.uk, in which you will find some blog posts. And check out the Instagram, theboondogglepod, 
in which you will find promotion for the podcast and maybe some short little poems. Check out the Twitter, Alex Boondoggle, in which you will find tweets from ages ago. I haven't given you much um, encouragement to uh, join the social medias there, but I'm just being honest. All right. So for the last time in a month or so, goodbye, farewell, uh, long live the boon god, and see you later, boondoggers, and keep on boondogging. Au revoir. Scream at my family, they cower in the corner. Whoops, locked up, 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 up.